Welcome to Tibet Talks, a podcast series from the International Campaign for Tibet. You are about to hear the recording of a live conversation. We hope you enjoy the show. Losar Tashi Delay, and welcome to Tibet Talks. I'm Ashwin Verghese of the International Campaign for Tibet. We are excited that you could join us today to celebrate Losar, the New Year Festival of the Tibetan people and other people of the Himal- other peoples of the Himalayas. As you might have guessed, I am not Tibetan myself, but over the past few years, I've been blessed to take part in Losar celebrations with my Tibetan American colleagues and friends. And on today's episode of Tibet Talks, I'm pleased to be joined by our own ICT Interim Vice President, Tencho Gyatso. Tencho la, Losar Tashidale. Losar Tashidale, Ashwin. And Tensho and I are also fortunate to have another guest with us today who will help us explore the history, meaning, and traditions of Losar. Our guest is the first ever Tibetan Buddhist to serve on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. And in 2018, he was unanimously elected as its chair. Our guest is also a faculty member in Human Communication Studies at Cal State Fullerton. And I should also note that he was our first ever guest on Tibet Talks just about three years ago. Today, we are delighted to welcome him back. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Tenzin Dorji. Tenzin Dorji la, losar tashi delay. And nice to be back. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you so much for being with us today. So uh, Tenchila and I will have a conversation with Tenzin, Dor- Tenzin Dorjila about Losar and what Losar means. Tenzin Dorjila, as I mentioned, you are a college professor, but my first question for you today is pretty simple. The question is, what is Losar? What is its significance for Tibetans, and what is the origin of this festival? Thank you very much. Uh, the Losar is a Tibetan word, which means just New Year. And uh, I think Tibetans have a few other regional losers or New Year celebrations, uh, but this is uh, a particular one, and I may uh, refer to it as Tibetan national losers. You know, historians might have uh, different perspectives on this, uh, but some historians might say that this particular losar uh, that is celebrated uh, across Tibet and even in the Himalaya regions, uh, it may have started. Uh, I think in 13th century. And uh, for Tibetans, uh, you know, it really uh, represents many things on many levels. Of course, uh, first of all, Tibetan peoples love to party and celebrate (laughs) any little things we could. And uh, so it's perhaps one of the biggest celebrations of the year. But this also represents, you know, Tibetan uh, national identity now because we call it 2150th Tibetan Royal Year. Uh, and the way we celebrate it, it also represents uh, Tibetan uh, many aspects of the culture that we're all trying to preserve, right, under the given condition that Tibetan Buddhism, religion, Tibetan language, uh, Tibetan culture, Tibetan distinctiveness of everything. So everything you name Tibet could also be related to Lhasa celebration. Thank you, Tenzin Tochila, for that overview. I want to ask you, um, what was a traditional Tibetan Lhasa celebration like in Tibet? Most people know we celebrate 
uh, Lusa for several days and it's a uh, you know many regions celebrate in different ways as we just mentioned but traditionally what does Lusa mean like how is it celebrated uh yes thank you for that question of course now I have to rely that on to what our uh, older generations have told us what some of the historians are saying because I myself was just born in Tibet and smuggled out as an infant to India. So I have a lot of experience uh, celebrating losses in India and now in the United States, but I don't have uh, personal experience celebrating it uh, in our homeland, Tibet. But, uh, you know, what the elders say is that, of course, over the years, it has changed a lot. I think in the beginning, uh, you know, the celebration must be very, very elaborate, right? And then things have changed over the centuries. Uh, but what I remember say is that in Tibet, uh, before Chinese invaded Tibet, uh, you know, the Lhasa celebration for 15 days until the full moon day, right, when the Melon Great Festival ends uh, and Tibetans go to the monasteries to watch the multi-story butter sculptures and uh, celebrating uh, the Great Melon Festival conclusion and the Lhasa. But at least, uh, you know, people celebrate three days, it looks like a must. So the first day is called the Lama's Losar, which means uh, it is, you know, the day that we go to uh, receive blessings from our Lamas or the Gurus and we visit monasteries. And on this first day, you know, yes, maybe in the evening uh, after you have visited the Gurus and then you can drink Chang, the Tibetan sake and sing songs and like that, but maybe not too much uh, like drinking and dancing on the first day perhaps. Then the second day is called the Kebo Losa, right? The King's uh, uh, Losa. This is the real public celebration day. So His Holiness the Dalai Lama is our everything. So it's on this day, His Holiness will preside over the official public Losa celebrations. And this is where really party can go crazy, you know, like anything. And then the third day is, today is the third day. Yes. Is the, the Chujong Losa, which is a Dharma Protectors Day. So we usually go on high mountains and we fly the prayer flags and then we thank all our Dharma Protectors for doing a good job to protect us and the world. And then we just make some offerings and we do incense offering. We toast Samba in the air and uh, we scream, right? Victory to the gods. And uh, then we ask them, please keep doing your good job for the whole year. So at least three days seems to be a must. Uh, but even in exile, when I was a child, you know, we would go for a week at least uh, celebrating Lhasa. So, you know, Lhasa celebrations vary right, according to time and things like that. Tenzin Dordila, like I mentioned, you were the first Tibetan Buddhist to serve on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, which was a great honor, I'm sure, for you personally, and also a, a wonderful sign for uh, Tibetan Americans and Tibetan Buddhists. I want to ask you a little bit about any religious connections for Losar. Is Losar a religious holiday for Tibetans, and what connection, if any, does it have to Buddhism? Uh, well, I mean, generally speaking, Losar means New Year, and it's celebrated across Tibet in Himalayas. Even in Tibet, before Chinese came, Losar is not only celebrated by the Tibetan Buddhists, which is the largest population of Tibetans, but by Tibetan Bonbos, uh, indigenous uh, Tibetan religious followers, and celebrated by the Tibetan Muslims. I think mostly are Sunni Muslims located primarily in uh, Lhasa, and they celebrate Lhasa too. So I think each of celebrations might differ according to our faith-based things. But in terms of cultural celebrations, we are all same. So from that point of view, you know, uh, Lhasa has uh, tremendous religious significance. 
Uh, now, uh, as a Tibetan Buddhist, as I mentioned earlier, the first day we start is called Lama Losa, right? So that says everything, the importance of uh, Buddhism uh, to Tibetan life. And uh, then His Holiness the Dalai Lama, you know, His Holiness Benjamin Lama, and other great leaders of Tibetan Buddhism. And uh, so today we are going through a really great difficult time that, you know, back home in, T in Tibet, Tibetans are restricted from celebrating Losa. And especially if anything has to do with the religious significance, you know, that's kind of curtled down and they don't want large gathering, even to go to the temples to pray, which is really important for Tibetans, uh, they couldn't do it. You have watched uh, cameras and surveillance everywhere. Uh, so that's very difficult. And uh, so that's why I want to thank uh, Secretary Blingen and uh, Special Tibet Coordinator Uzradzia and all the ambassador of United States to China uh, for really uh, bringing the loss of wishes to us. Uh, and they have highlighted you know, what Lhasa means to us and how Tibetan people's unique uh, distinctiveness, our culture, religion, language, uh, you know, and self-determination for Tibetans. Uh, all of those things are important. And I think Lhasa embodies all of those values. And that's why I think the ICT is uh, in the forefront, uh, right, uh, to carry out all these important works. And I want to thank you also and all people who are supporting Tibet and Ashwin, by the way, you have dedicated for Tibetan work and you are an honorary Tibetan, so. Thank you, Tenzin uh, Tojala. You raised some important points because, as you mentioned, Lhasa uh, connects us all in so many different ways and it's more than just cultural uh, celebration. But when we talk about Lhasa, I want to also um, point out it's not just um, the new year, but also the end of the last year is considered a special time. And for me, one of the one of my favorite rituals is uh, on the 29th day of the last month of the year, we um, we celebrate with Guduk. So we, for our viewers, it's like a, every Tibetan home usually um, gathers together the family. We have a soup called Guduk uh, that's uh, made of nine ingredients. And then that day we clean out our energy and we clear out our uh, negative energies from the past and end the day with a guduk and this good it and the guduk includes like these um dough balls which have different personality traits in them and different objects in them that signify different um <laughs> elements uh, like you know chili chili signifies you have a sharp tongue or if you get coal it signifies uh, <laughs> you have uh, you're not so kind you have a black heart sometimes you know we're very straightforward in how we deal with things but it's like a fun celebration but that's also more more than just a family ritual right this happens on a more um, public scale and more religious scale and it's 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 an important aspect of our culture so could you explain a little bit more about that in Spurgeon? uh yes Tenshala. You know, I mean, Lhasa, we said, oh, it's the new year. That's what we get excited about. It's like, but before Lhasa, a lot of preparations and many things are leading to that. So it culminates into the Lhasa celebration. So you're right. Uh, one of our favorite uh, ready day to celebrate is the Guthuk, the 29th of the 12th Tibetan lunar day. And we do make special dough ball soup. We invite families and friends to share that and some you know, this, it includes many ingredients, as you mentioned, and then we have a predictive balls, mm -hmm. right? So these, uh, you know, ten, are supposed to predict our personalities represent. So sometimes they are 
you know, interesting things people might get, and we can chuckle over that. I think one of <laughs> those you know, things we put in that doorbell might differ sometimes. Uh, one of the things uh, uh, I realize is the garlic, uh, which has a very health benefit, but at least uh, from Tibetan symbolism point of view, if you get garlic, you stink, you know, you smell. <laughs> Uh, so this year I'm kind of happy what I got. So I got cotton ball, which means you know the kindness, right? Your mind is uh, really uh, very uh, represents a kindness, which is kind of interesting and good thing. Some days I get really bad ones, uh, and so you don't want to talk about it. But religiously, you're right. Um, it's not only just having the soup, uh, but this is perhaps the biggest cleaning day in Tibet and in India too. That we usually take few days to take out everything inside. And we whitewash the house, and then we, you know, uh, dust off everything, and then we put new curtains, you know, windows and doors and everything. So, and then we go uh, to uh, different monasteries. You know, many monasteries would do the ritual dance, you know, blackhead dance like that. Uh, for example, in South India, Taishilubo Monastery did that, or uh, in Hunsur, Dzongkachadi Monastery did that, or in Balakubi also the Namdarling Monastery did that, or I think or some other monasteries, they may not, not do the ritual dance, but they can still do the ritual cake offering. And you know, you're right, the biggest thing is to get rid of all the negativities and obstacles of the old year, say goodbye to them, and don't sit over that and don't worry anymore. You are going to start a new year and then we wish uh, that all good things will happen. And uh, so after the Guduk is usually the New Year Eve, right? In the West, that's a big thing. You stay up whole night and you count down. But for us Tibetans, uh, it's a busy night because we had to set up the whole Derka altars with the Tibetan deep fried uh, kapse cookies and all other offerings. Uh, and when I was a child, I got so excited because we get to wear new clothes, you know? And uh, so there's a lot of excitement now, of course, uh, that excitement is gone. I'm becoming senior, uh, but you're right. So a lot of things, uh, you know, before Losar, right? Uh, that things are leading to it. Yeah, Ashwin, Losar, Losar means low means year and Sar means uh, new. But um, sometimes colloquially we make fun of it and we say Lesa because Le means work and Sa means collect. So it's a lot of work collected together. So we kind of sometimes exactly. jokingly say that. Well, I could see yesterday uh, at the State Department, it was a lot of work to, to actually make the celebration happen. But it was a lot of fun once we, once we got to that part of it. So very fun to take part in that. And uh, Tenzin Dorjula, um, I do want to ask you about kind of one of the, the darker aspects of this holiday. And you, you touched on this a little bit already, but I do want to bring up the fact that inside Tibet itself, the Chinese government has made it very difficult for Tibetans to celebrate this, this special holiday. We see reports every year of China kind of cracking down inside Tibet between Losar and March 10th, which is another important anniversary. So can you talk a little bit more about what restrictions China has placed on Losar inside Tibet? And uh, why is it that this, this simple New, Year holiday, New Year's holiday, this, this cultural celebration, why would that feel like such a, a threat to such a powerful government like the government in Beijing? Uh, that is a very important question. I think uh, because Lhasa, the way we celebrate it, what it means, uh, it really represents Tibetan distinctiveness. And uh, so the Communist China feels very threatened by Tibetan distinctiveness, although they claim Tibetans are among the 55 national minorities, but uh, we are so different and we never think we are Chinese and we, and they never think they are 
right, I'm a Tibetan. So we are very distinct, right, nation and people, but we got invaded and communist are, you know, occupying it. So that's why they put a lot of restrictions, especially the religious, you know, celebration part. But if they let you do something now today, like, uh, for example, crazy things is that they require uh, the Chinese leader's portraits, like Xi Jinping should be next to the Buddha or somewhere there, right? They don't want Dalai Lama near that, actually, right? And so it is as if, like, you are seeking the blessing of the Xi Jinping and the Chinese leadership, which is a crazy idea, you know, things like that. So, you know, I'm thinking about, uh, the, I think, what was the United Nations report about one million Tibetan children, right, who were taken away, right? They have, you know, been what I call de-Tibetanized, right? They try to take the whole Tibetan identity so that they even don't remember who they are. And so they have no idea about Lhasa celebration. They couldn't celebrate Lhasa, right? That's a huge thing. They can't speak Tibetan, you know? They can't be with their families. Uh, that's a big, huge issue. So even Tibetan families who are together, they have to keep it very low key, right? Uh, in the sense, because surveillance cameras are everywhere. And especially, maybe you shouldn't reach any greeting losses of your relatives from outside Tibet, right? Because that can put you in great life danger. Another biggest part is that for us, you know, to be able to get the blessing of His Holiness and Great Lamas is essential part of Lhasa. But Tibetans inside Tibet cannot have that. As a matter of fact, they have, um, they don't recognize His Holiness among the, you know, official, the what they call the living Buddhas, but yet they want, you know, to recognize His next reincarnation, the crazy thought, right? Uh, and uh, so all of that, you know, Chinese are doing, try to erase Tibetan identity, and they try to synchronize Tibetan Buddhism. Uh, so this is what we really worry about. And this is why when I served four years voluntarily on the United States Commission for Internationalist Freedom, you know, my meetings with uh, the members of the Congress and any panels I have been to or congressional hearings, these are the things I try to highlight, you know. And I'm glad uh, that... Uh, it was heard loud and clear right, during four years, and the work has been continued. And this is why, again, we want to thank uh, Secretary Blinden and Special Coordinator Uzra Zia and the Ambassador of the United States to China and other leaders right, who gave us uh, you know, lots of wishes. We need to keep it going. So until we can return to Tibet and we have His Holiness on the Golden Throne and the Tibetans all can celebrate along with all of you coming. So that will be the, you know, uh, the dream day. Yes, Benzela. And yesterday, as you mentioned, we had the honor to be at the State Department for the Lusa celebration. It was in person this year and wonderfully attended by quite a number of diplomats from some of the embassies, as well as local friends and supporters uh, of, of Tibetan. Many of their officials from the department also had attended. Some of your former colleagues also uh, were there and also from the International Religious Freedom uh, office uh, at, the, at the State Department. We have put together uh, a clip from um, last night where Secretary Blinken offered video greetings. So we wanted to uh, play that for us. On behalf of the United States, I extend my warmest wishes to all those celebrating Losar here in America, across the Himalayan region, and throughout the world. At this time of year, Tibetan families will decorate their homes, exchange gifts, and cherish time with friends and family. Fireworks will light the night sky. Tibetans everywhere will strive to embody the Buddha's teachings. The United States honors the spirit and resilience of Tibetans around the globe. And we're proud to host so many supporters of the Tibetan community at the State Department's event today. Americans believe in the rights of all people, 
no matter who they are or where they're born, to speak their own language, to practice their own faith. That's why we remain firm in our resolve to defend and promote the human rights of Tibetans, including efforts to preserve and pass on the community's distinct linguistic, cultural, and religious heritage. Tibetans must be able to select their religious leaders free from interference, to live without fear of repression, to practice the rich traditions, including this Losar holiday that Tibetans have for centuries. Our Undersecretary of State, Ezra Zaya, has led our work to advance the rights and humanitarian needs of Tibetans this past year. We've made real progress to highlight Tibetan issues, but there's much more work to be done. So during this time of celebration, a period when Tibetans believe that the impact of our individual acts of virtue are multiplied, we recommit to working alongside the global Tibetan community to support and strengthen the rights and heritage of Tibetans. May the year of the water hare bring you peace, prosperity, and longevity. Tashi Delak. As a Tibetan and as, you know, as someone who has served as an international commissioner of the International Religious Freedom Commission, how would you look at uh, Secretary's uh, message? Well, that is a very uplifting and uh, not only just a lossal uplifting message, but uh, to the extent uh, in I believe and many of us do, uh, that also represents the United States of America's official uh, Biden administration stand on the Tibet issues. It's not just a lossal like, happy taxi delay, you know, have some mm -hmm. fun. Uh, they really highlighted uh, what Tibetans are going through, right? So the need to preserve our distinctive uh, language, religion, culture, and all of those things. And, uh, uh, and uh, so that therefore I've, you know, feel that, uh, you know, the Tibet resolve uh, resolution there, that really is very important. Yes, I mean, during Lhasa, we have fun, some fun, we should celebrate, you know, with family and friends. Uh, but at the same time, uh, much work needs to be done as the Secretary Blinken said, you know, and uh, so I think a big part of that at the moment is the Tibet resolve, right, uh, you know, uh, issue that's going on in the Senate Congress. And uh, I would urge everybody, right, the members to support that. And uh, that would be a big gift, loss of gift uh, to the Tibetans inside Tibet and uh, outside Tibet. Uh, uh, because if we resolve the Tibet uh, Sino issue, uh, then, you know, all the things that we are talking about right now, that will stop. So until then, uh, you know, we will highlight and fight for justice and, uh, you know, Tibetan as a nation, the people will survive, right? Even let's say each of us individuals, we don't know how long we live, but Tibet as a nation and people will struggle until the day we see that, uh, you know, Tibetans reunite and His Holiness uh, can preside over, you know, as our leadership religious. Thank you, Tenzin Dorjila, for uh, bringing up that piece of legislation. And uh, that is, uh, as you alluded to, something that uh, ICT and our community of compassion is working very hard on right now. And uh, do want to tell our viewers and uh, anybody listening to this program that uh, we do encourage you to get involved in our efforts to pass the Promoting a Resolution to the Tibet-China Conflict Act. You can learn more about the bill at our website at uh, www.savetibet.org occupation. You can learn more about the legislation. And please also visit www.savetibet.org slash resolve Tibet in order to sign our petition to your members of Congress to ask them to co-sponsor and support this bill. Uh, we will include those links in the comment section of our Facebook page, but please go to those, uh, those websites and uh, take action for this very important piece of legislation. So that said, Tenzin Nurjila, one last question for you here before we move on to the next part of the program. Uh, this is also kind of a fun question, I think. 
This year is the year of the water hare 2150 in the Tibetan calendar. Can you tell us why it's called that? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, when the Tibetan word is chew is water and year is uh, rabbit or hare. And so what's happening is, you know, in the Tibetan, I'm not a Tibetan medical practitioner, but in the Tibetan medical system and in the Tibetan Buddhism that I know a little bit more about, uh, the elements, you know, uh, earth, water, fire, uh, space, uh, these are essential elements, right? Even of our body, our very existence, not only us Tibetans, the whole human species, all species, and this world existing. So basically, the environments and inhabitants within are constituted by these elements. So therefore, Tibetans, uh, every year there is a particular uh, element. This happens to be water this year, we highlight that. And the rabbit or the hare is uh, the Tibetan zodiac animals, right? This is the rabbit ear. And, you know, rabbit, uh, you know, is a very, uh, how should I say, uh, in my eyes, uh, symbolizes a very peaceful animal, right? Uh, rabbit doesn't have a claws to attack you, right? Rabbit uh, thrives on vegetarian grass. And, uh, you know, which I was saying, one of our sort of communication tools to t uh, raise children is uh, when you are with others, stay very disciplined, sit like a rabbit. You know, don't just running crazy everywhere, right? And listen carefully, mindfully uh, to your teachers, to your parents and elders, you know? And so I think rabbit is the, the animal in the zodiac. So we combine that together. So this year is a water rabbit year. I thought that would be a fun question. So thank you. It was nice to hear that explanation. Thank you, Tenzin Dorjila, so much for talking with us about the, uh, the history, the traditions, the meaning of Losar. And we want to transition in the second part of our program here, where we'll talk a little bit more about personal experiences with Losar. And so to do that, I am very pleased to be joined by a few other of our ICT colleagues. Please join me in welcoming ICT's Deputy Director for Chinese Outreach, Rinchen Tashi. We will also be joined by ICT's Research Analyst, Tenzin Norgela. Tenzin Norgela, Rinchen Tashi, thank you both so much for being here today. I'd like to give both of you the opportunity to share what Losar means to you and what some of your favorite memories of the holiday are. So first up, Rinchenla, the floor is yours. Can you please tell us what Losar means to you and what some of your favorite Losar memories are? For me, Losar is always the long waited moment when I was growing up in a remote <coughs> pastoral area in Tibet, which is also a time of really magic and miracle. We children dress and new chukwas, chukwas are Tibetan clothes, uh, and uh, go ten to ten, because we live in tents, yak hair made tent, so ten to ten, and can get a lot of candies and uh, some other gifts. It is like uh, uh, some kind of uh, Turk or treating. And also the first day of the loss, early morning, uh, we go to the river to get karma hyokyu. Karma hyokyu means uh, the water of under the four star the morning. So we use that water uh, to make the first tea of the new year and also use that water uh, to wash your hand and face. Uh, also, another fun thing is that Losa is the birthday for everybody. If you are nine years old yesterday, today you are 10 years old. So that's very really fun. Uh, Losa is one of the irresistible, so irresistible uh, cultural marks in my mind. 
Ah, no, one more thing. Uh, one, the field, what a field is, oh, everything looks like field, but one unforgettable thing happened to me uh, during Lausanne was that that time I think I was 10, I was seven or eight year old. One, the Lausanne morning, uh, I go to the uh, yachting. The generally, uh, the, uh, the uh, Lausanne, uh, the first day, we don't milk the German's cow yak and uh, let the calves to enjoy all the milk from their mothers. And uh, that morning, uh, I uh, went to the yak pen and tried to free the calves. Unfortunately, I was tripping over the rope which uh, tied the calves and fell on the yak down. You know, I was wearing a, a new clothes, right? But that <laughs> messed up. And then what I do, they did, I was very upset and uh, went home crying. But that's why now think back, it can't be my favorite. Thank you so much, Rinchalada. Very nice to hear about, uh, about your personal Losar experiences. Uh, and uh, now we will turn to uh, our research analyst, Norgila. Uh, Norgila, as I mentioned for Rinchin, please let us know uh, what Losar means to you and what some of your favorite Losar memories are. Oh, thanks, Ashwin, for the questions. Um, like, uh, Losar to me uh, means like <clears throat> a time for family and uh, the community uh, getting together to study Japan heritage. It is the time for social gatherings, uh, eat good, really good food, uh, and you video family and so it's an occasion for family and community to come together uh, to reconnect and you know to strengthen uh, our bonds. So, and is it, the Losa is also the time of the year. It's it also means uh, renewal and uh, you know time of renewal and hope. Basically, you feel gratitude for the blessings that you had in the past year, and also seek blessings for the year uh, for the uh, for the year to come. So that for that, uh, the Tibetans perform a lot of uh, religious uh, rituals and offer prayers to the deities and the spirits to ensure a prosperous and a peaceful uh, year ahead. Uh, for in terms of memory, I think um, like all of us, uh, we all have very fond memories that goes back to our childhood. You know, this is you, we enjoy our uh, the sweetest memories of Losa is always goes back to the childhood and. It, and it's the same for me also. When I look back uh, in my life, that's what the time when I had the most fun <laughs> during Losa. And uh, because that, you know, as a child, I always looked forward to the day as it was like uh, a day of unlimited fun. There was no scolding from the elders for whatever you do during the day. <laughs> so you have like, in, in terms of that complete uh, immunity <laughs> or for your behavior. <laughs> And you know that was that was uh, very uh, much fun. Like and, and also back in the day, those days when his holiness was uh, much much younger and uh, technology was rudimentary compared to today's level. You know, uh, in uh, the town that I grew up in, in Ramsala, everyone in town uh, would stand in line to re receive direct blessing from his holiness. And you know, it may take a couple of hours for one's turn uh, to get the blessing. But then those wait was also fun. <laughs> you get to see a lot of people in their finest dresses. 
and then you know children would always find ways to play um you know make full use of the time and then you also see the elders catching up of like the happenings in their life so yeah those days um now of course things have changed a lot uh his holiness has advanced in age and you know also uh those kind of uh direct blessings uh, you know it's not possible now uh, my sweetest memories of us are goes back to my childhood you like no um, for whatever reason we found that standing in line is <laughs> a lot of fun <laughs> standing in line for a couple of hours to get the turn to get the blessings thanks so much norgela i really appreciate you sharing uh, those childhood memories with us it's very sweet to hear about let's actually keep going with our panel here uh tenchila we will turn to you next can you please also tell us what losar means for you and your favorite losar memories thanks ashwin yep losar is a, you know it's a special uh, time for all of us in terms of memories uh norgela stole my uh, story of kunjushia <laughs> no because you uh, was thinking also back in the day um um childhood memories of um the uh, when the Dharamsala was really a small little town, um, not the size it is right now. And when all of the inhabitants uh, of Dharamsala in those days would dress in their Lusa best and come to His Holiness's residence and everybody got a blessing, the New Year, to start the New Year with a blessing from His Holiness. So that was um, really special. I mean, we didn't have much in those days. And another memory, probably growing up, I grew up at um, Tibetan Children's Village, which is the school that my mother ran. And um, the Tibetan Children's Village at that time, the children were mostly orphans and semi-orphans who lost their parents or who were separated from their parents. So um, the school resources, um, we didn't have much. And, um, and on Lusa, it's when, you know, you have all these, um, clothing that gets donated from all of the world, from the United States and others who have sent there. And for Lusa, you get all the kids in the school who didn't have any place to go for their holidays. You would get a, um, like a blind eye, uh, gift. So the staff, would put together gifts from what had arrived. It could be toys, it could be clothing, it could be a new jacket, it could be a new pair of jeans or <laughs> whatever. And each child would get a package. And everybody used to be so excited because you get the package, you look at it, and mostly it's something that doesn't fit you or doesn't. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then the bartering would start, right? <laughs> then you go and find somebody who has something that you like and you kind of barter and you know it was uh, really uh, happy memories even though the resources were little and everybody if anybody got a pair of blue jeans they hit the jackpot <laughs> but that's one of the memories I thought I might share yeah thanks Nancho that was very lovely to hear Uh, Tenzin Nurjila, you've been uh, so gracious to be with us here today. And uh, so I want to ask you as well, please tell us about your own Losar memories and your own feelings about the meaning of the holiday. Yeah, it was very uh, enjoyable to listen to all the Losar stories, uh, particularly Rinjin Taishila's whole nomadic Losar celebrations and uh, also Tenzin Nurjila's and Tenzila's back in Dramsala. So I could connect with some of those. Uh, my some of the fondest memories as a child growing up in Balakube, the biggest Tibetan settlement uh, 
is really uh, getting to wear uh, new clothes and shoes. Uh, it's like a Santa Claus, like the parents will hide them somewhere. So next morning, like the Santa Claus, that's the version, right? We don't call it Santa Claus. So next morning, I know I have new set of shoes and clothing. Uh, and then Losa is the day like, you know, and even those days like we celebrate at least a week, okay? That's a lot of days of parties. Uh, you get some of the best food, not only for one time or one day, like a couple of days straight. And you don't have to study or do anything. And people are all nice and nobody's really uh, kind of, right, disciplining you somewhere as a child. So that's all fun. It's a lot of cups and cookies and playing with your peers, friends like that. And then family reunion, right? We like after the third day, as I said, then the invitation starts, right? You invite me to my home, I invite you to your home, all of that. And it goes for many days, right? So there's a lot of fun and a lot of dancing and singing. So those things as a child. And then when I went to the Ramsala after my high school and I joined the Institute of Buddhist Dialectics, and later I became a translator to the library for many years. And then one of the biggest thing for us was to be able to get the blessing from His Holiness during Losa, right? Yes, like Nordella said, we can stand in the line. There can be many hours, but still it's a fun, right? We get to yeah. meet other people. We are all in the best dress, best behaviors. And then finally we get to receive the real hand blessing from His Holiness. That's like a dream come true, you know? Now, I, I suppose now those things have changed, you know, of course, because of His Holiness advantage and other reasons. Uh, uh, so that's some of the you know, things. And I think in Dharamsala still, the Tibetan Central Tibetan Administration is shut down at least three days or four days, right? Three days is a must. The fourth day is to recoup from drinking a lot of uh, Chang, Tibetan Sage, so that you don't come <laughs> to the work and you can't get things done. So get a day to recover from that, a lot of that. And now we have some experience celebrating Losa here in America, which is really slided down to the minimalist state. So yesterday, first day, or day before yesterday, I got a four in the morning, did my practice usually, and then by six, I drove with my sister to Tibetan monastery, Gandhin Shazitubdan Dajin Long Beach for the Losa ceremony, symbol one. And then after that hour, I drove back to my campus to teach all my classes. So my first day of Losa was teaching classes. It was a meaningful one, but not so much of a celebration and ha ha ha, all of that, right? And then still today, I'm still at office right here, uh, talking about Losa instead of celebrating it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the paradox of life in America. Uh, we gain something, we lose something. And now we're all looking forward to the weekend Losa celebration organized by Tibetan local associations, right? Our LA TAS, Tibetan Association of Southern California, celebrates on the Saturday. So that's something we look forward. So in America, so Lawson has come down to, if you are lucky, take a day off like my sister did. So she had a fun whole day at the monastery yesterday, but I didn't have much. Uh, but that's what we deal with it, you know. And for also for Lawson, for me, and many others, it's just like Nortella said, like hopes and aspirations, right? You know, people say you don't get a second chance to do anything again. Lawson is every year, right? You have to redesign yourself. So hopefully we are all becoming a better human being kinder human being, more compassionate being, because we can design ourselves to do that. And Tibetan Buddhism is the richest resource, right, for us to be able to do that. So while you are living, you are more compassionate, more kind, and His Holiness says your life is going to be happy here with everybody. And then when you die, if you die with kindness, compassion, as a believer, I think you will have a good rebirth. So good here and good hereafter, right? That's what I'm thinking about.
Thanks so much, Tenzin Dorjila. And uh, yeah, it's interesting as you mentioned that, uh, you know, uh, going through some of the details of the holiday did kind of remind me of celebrating Christmas or celebrating uh, some other holidays that uh, folks in the West might be a little bit more familiar with that. So, so thank you so much for sharing that. And really thank you to all four of you. That was really wonderful to, uh, to kind of personalize the holiday and get a little bit of a deeper understanding of what it means. So thank you all for sharing that. We do want to turn now to uh, audience questions. And uh, I do have one question here from uh, Andrea. And the question is, this is kind of a, a good way to uh, maybe wind down the program. Is there anything else that outsiders should know about Losar from the Tibetan perspective? Tenzin Dorjila, Tensho, Rinchen Norgay, if any of you have any thoughts, uh, please do let us know. What else should outsiders know about this holiday that we haven't already covered? I'll say a few words and then I'll yield to others. Uh, you know, thanks for asking that question. Yeah, I mean, the Losser is a joyful celebration, no doubt, right? Parties are important, singing, dancing, eating well and drinking and, you know, with moderation, all of that is fun, uh, good. Uh, uh, but at the same time, as we said, that the Losser has a more deeper meaning for Tibetans. And uh, so as we highlighted earlier, are Tibetans still struggling for justice and freedom? And our unique distinctiveness is being erased, at least attempted by the communist China back in Tibet. And so that's why those of us who are our side, uh, you know, uh, so we can do whatever we can to, uh, to be able to voice for Tibetans inside Tibet. And they even can celebrate Lhasa like we can have, right? At least we can have a fun talking about it. They even can talk about it. You know, you get into trouble. And so there are many ways. ICT is, as I said, in the forefront of advocating for Tibet justice. We have the Tibet Resolve, right? Uh, resolution, you can support that. Or we can also have the similar ones table in other parliaments and, uh, you know, uh, the, around the world. Uh, uh, and so there are many things we can do. We can, we can encourage, you know, Tibetans uh, to keep our language and culture intact, especially now Tibetans have moved into the West, exiled Tibetans. Uh, so I would urge uh, all Tibetans and friends, friends can help us say, you know, you should learn your language, speak, okay? Uh, you should uh, keep your Tibetan culture going on. So that will boost up our spirit. And uh, those supportive message from communication point of view, as a communication scholar, it really means a lot. You think you're not doing anything, but if you say, I appreciate Tibetan language, I, you know, your culture, so don't let it die. So that's very important. Because by third generation, research shows that we lose our ethnic language and many things. So we look like Tibetan, but we may lose part of it. That's would be unfortunate. So I would like to say, please, thank you for that question and everybody can support us to keep it going. Back to you, Tenchala and uh, Rinchala and Tenchala. I don't have, uh, <clears throat> uh, Professor Doji uh, covered it very well, so I don't think I have anything more to add uh, from what he has um, offered. Yeah, I was just reminded that um, back, I think it was in 2008, when there were widespread uh, protests all across Tibetan areas, and there were so many people um, arrested and a very high level of um, securitization across the plateau and the outside, we were all so impacted by it that there was a movement um, then not to celebrate Lusa. But I remember at that time I was working at ICT and we had uh, the late Gerumche here and Rimche made a special call. Um, we were having our annual right around the time we were having our annual Tibet Lobby Day and we had lots of Tibetans gathered here, Rumji made a call saying that it is hard 
when there's things going on. But the cultural aspects of Lusa, we need to continue doing that. You skip the parting and, you know, the, the lighter moments um, because of how you feel, but do the cultural aspects because it's something important, keeping it alive in your family, in your, with your children, with your family members. So you need that uh, always to keep that uh, the spirit alive. So, so I remember he made an emotional call then, and I think it, that was a very heightened emotional time. And I was reminded as we were discussing this right now, so I thought I would share that. Thanks, uh, thanks so much, uh, uh, everyone, for, uh, for sharing that. I think that's a good place for us to uh, wrap up today's program. Um, I want to thank uh, all four of you for uh, celebrating this Losar with us. As I mentioned, uh, for me personally as a non-Tibetan, it's really great to be part of these uh, celebrations with all of you. And uh, on behalf of everyone in the audience, I want to thank you all for, uh, for welcoming us into this holiday and, uh, and celebrating the arrival of the Year of the Water Hare with all of us. So thank you all as well to everybody who's uh, watching this. We wish all of you a happy and harmonious year of the water hair. But uh, before we go, I do want to mention another important date that's coming up on the Tibetan calendar. So on March 10th, 1959, the people of Tibet rose up as one to oppose China's occupation of their homeland and to call for their right to determine their own affairs. Although Chinese forces eventually crushed their movement, killing thousands in the process, the Tibetans succeeded in keeping the struggle alive, including by protecting their leader, His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Now, more than six decades later, Tibetans continue to commemorate their national uprising every March 10th. This year, there'll be demonstrations and protests around the world, including in India, Europe, and right here in Washington, DC, where ICT's US headquarters are located. We invite all of you to join us in March 10th protests this year, Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to learn more. We'll have more information to share about the protest here in DC soon. Lastly, one other important event coming up in March that I want to mention to all of you. That is Tibet Lobby Day 2023, ICT's annual event with many other Tibet support groups and uh, Tibetan Americans. And uh, it's an event that brings together Tibetan Americans and Tibet supporters from around the country to the US Capitol to meet with members of Congress and congressional staff to lobby for Tibet. This year, Lobby Day will focus on advancing the promoting a resolution to the Tibet-China Conflict Act. And as I mentioned earlier, this bill, which, we also, which is also known as the hashtag Resolve Tibet Act, is a bipartisan bill that will push for renewed dialogue between Chinese leaders and Tibetan representatives. This bill states that the Tibetan people are entitled to the right of self-determination and that the United States considers the China-Tibet conflict unresolved. It refutes Beijing's false claim that Tibet has historically belonged to China since ancient times and states that the People's Republic of China has failed to meet the expectations of the United States to engage in meaningful dialogue with Tibetans. So please join us in Washington, D.C. for Tibet Lobby Day on March 27th and, 20, and 28th. Registration is now open. Please visit www.tibetlobbyday.us to sign up. Again, that's www.tibetlobbyday.us. 
So with that, we are out of time for today's episode of Tibet Talks. Thank you again to all four of our wonderful guests. And thank you to everybody watching and listening for joining us for this special holiday-themed episode. We will be back next month with another episode for you to watch and listen to. Until then, again, we wish you a happy, healthy, and constructive year of the Water Rabbit. And as Tenzin Dorji La, our guest on this episode and our first ever guest on Tibet Talks likes to say, stay safe, stay well, and stay active. Thank you. Indeed, thank you very much. Thank you, Ashwin. Thank you, Tenzin Dorji La. Thank you, Tenzin We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tibet Talks. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Learn more at savetibet.org slash pod. To find out how you can get involved in our efforts to promote human rights and democratic freedoms for the people of Tibet, please visit savetibet.org slash support. Thank you, and see you next time on Tibet Talks.